welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey, church. Uh, my name is Jeremy Ages. Uh, I'm not on staff here, but i um, privileged to be one of the elders that serves on the board here at The Well. Uh, in fact, my family and I have been blessed to be part of this community for quite some time now. So um, I've seen many of these messages, uh, still kind of new to giving them, but um, definitely honored to be here with you today. Um, and today it's December 19th, six more sleeps till Christmas. Um, isn't it funny that we measure certain things in sleeps? You know, I always used to think that was just something that I did as a, as a kid, but I don't know, it seems to have carried on into adulthood too. Um, I work in marketing strategy, actually had somebody start on my team this week. And the day before she started, she sent me an email. She's like, one more sleep, really looking forward to it. So um, it carries on. But it is funny that we only sort of talk about measuring time in sleeps when it's positive, right? Like when there is a, an expectation of, of joy. Um, because you don't hear people saying like, oh man, you know, only two more sleeps till that bio midterm, you know, are you ready? Or, uh, hey, hon, you know, three more sleeps to like colonoscopy. Like it just, it just doesn't happen. But Christmas is one of those sleep measuring days. And actually the first Christmas was a day of anticipation as well, but with a whole lot more waiting. Like if you thought opening up, you know, 24 of those little calendar doors, you know, was wait em- uh, enough. Like imagine being part of Israel waiting for that very first Christmas. I mean, if there was a tiny little calendar door for every generation that the Israelites had to wait between when the world fell into sin and needed Jesus and when Jesus actually arrived, that calendar would need to start on November 7th. And those are generations. Those are not just days. And I know, you know, mind you, there's probably a few people out there that are thinking, hmm, an advent calendar that starts on November 7th, I'm in. Like, that sounds good to me. Um, but, I, but I digress. Um, but just to put it into context how long that is. So the first chapter of Matthew's gospel, the first of four gospels, the books that really tell about the good news of Jesus, which is what gospel means, good news. And the first book of the New Testament doesn't begin with the Christmas story, but rather begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And I'm not going to read it all for you because we could be here for a while. Uh, but spoiler alert, there are 42 generations between Adam and Jesus. And that is a lot of generations, estimated to be at about 2,000 years, or in other words, a very, 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 very long time, a very, very long wait. And so if the God who created us, who created a plan for the world that involves so much waiting, you know, like, why are, why are we so bad at it? Like, why do we find it so hard? Why does our culture spend so much time avoiding, trying to get out of, trying to speed up, trying to eliminate, trying to solve for the wait. I mean, think about it. Just think about your everyday life. Think about this past week, the errands you run, the things you do, the places you're trying to get to. Think about it and it's clear, right? Like we really do not like waiting. I mean, just look at this poor guy and his waiting problems. Hey Siri, set timer for 14 minutes. Okay, 14 minutes and counting. Waiting for cookies. Hey Siri, play me waiting playlist. Thank you. 
If I could say time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do Indeed, so hungry for cookie. is to say every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. Hey Siri, check the timer. Here's the timer. Oh. <laughs> Poor Cookie Monster, right? But really, waiting is hard. Uh, and if you think about it, like we should be pretty good at it. Like I stumbled across some research on the topic, and can anybody out there guess like how much time, on average, in your life you are going to spend waiting in lines? Yeah, five years, and six months of that at traffic lights, which is the worst. But no, even with all that practice, we're not good at it. And honestly, it's getting worse. Like studies say that our attention span is now eight seconds. But is it even that? Like based on how quickly you thumb scroll through TikTok or Instagram to that next bit of content, or based on how fast you can hit that skip pre-roll ad button on YouTube, eight seconds actually seems pretty generous. But in our on-demand culture, just-in-time production, one-click ordering, online gaming, tech speak, everything digital at our fingertips, it's easy to see how quickly we can become impatient with waiting. But why? Like, I mean, we all agree that we don't like waiting, but why don't we like waiting? And I believe it has to do with joy. Or rather, I believe it's because the wait is that thing that is getting between us and the thing we'd rather be doing or the place we'd rather be. There's an expectation of joy on the other side of this wait. And this wait is just getting in the way. I mean, the equation is, swim uh, is simple, right? Like you, you take these steps, you take this time, the wait will end and joy will begin, right? Like there are eight people ahead of you in line to order coffee. Maybe it'll take 10 minutes. I'll be able to order my latte. And in the meantime, I'll just text some friends. But really that's like, that's known outcome waiting. And I actually feel like we've got some strategies for that, right? But what happens when the thing we are waiting for isn't so defined. Like, I don't think we have to look too far for some insight. I mean, 21 months ago, the world locked down and we waited. I mean, two to three weeks turned into two to three months. And with everything going on, it's going to be even longer. And we felt lost. And we clamored for someone to tell us the steps and the timeline. We became news junkies searching for those answers. We became captivated with case counts and positivity rates and vaccine rollouts. We talked a lot about like the first thing we're gonna go do, the first place we'll eat when we can get out of this, or the first place we'll go when all this is over. We longed for this. Um, we longed for this to be like in one of those known outcome weights. And we were really obsessed with figuring out how to define the end, because the end meant joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I do not think that we waited all that well. And so it begs the question, do we know how to wait when the outcome is unknown? When the, uh, when the equation isn't that simple? Like when we can't sit in a line or set a kitchen timer, you know, or open 24 little calendar doors to tell us when the wait will be over? Do we know how to wait when we aren't even clear sometimes what the problem is, let alone the solution? Like when we feel the issues are only just beginning, let alone could be ending. Or when you can barely see the tree in front of you through the fog, let alone the forest. 
So what do you do when waiting for joy isn't guaranteed? Is it possible to even wait with joy? Now, this is a question that I've actually been asking myself for a while now. So about four years ago, my mom started to feel some stiffness in her legs. I mean, maybe you start to chalk it up to, to getting older, but that had never been my mom. Like if you're fortunate to know my mom, you know that she lived like someone so much younger, super active physically, sharp mentally, strong spiritually, you know, very social. But after a few months of fairly rapid deterioration, suddenly, you know, small things, small actions like walking up the stairs became mountains of a challenge. You know, and at one point, you know, when her mind said step and her legs said no, you know, she ended up in the hospital uh, for a few days with stitches. But more so, the real awakening to that was that things really weren't right. And for me, it started at, out as outcome-based waiting. Okay, we're going to get this test. We're going to learn what's going on. We're going to make a plan. But that didn't happen. And in the years since, you know, test after test, specialist after specialist, Google search after Google search, neurologist one led to neurologist two, to neurologist three and four, the waiting gets harder. No answers, only questions. And a future that looks very different than the one that she had planned only a few years back. I mean, we're waiting for healing. I mean, at this point, honestly, we were, we're waiting for a diagnosis. Like, I just want somebody to say, this is what's going on. Because then my mindset suddenly shifts again to, well, now we know what's going on. You know, we can figure this out. Mom will get better and joy will be restored. But that's not happening. And so we wait. And it's hard to see someone who is so active. You know, it's like cycling in the valley, serving our local church kitchen, playing with her grandkids. You know, fairly suddenly have all of that altered. And we don't know why or what to do. Like, I mean, we wait we pray, we wait. And if I'm honest, there are days where I, <laughs> like I shake my fist and I go, God, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? But look, and I know that we're not alone. I know many of you are waiting on something like that too. And maybe you walked in here today, like really clouded or are listening here today, really clouded by that wait. Or maybe you're hearing me talk and suddenly all those thoughts, you know, are pulling at you even now. And, and, and you know, maybe your situation is different. Like, and there are a number of different situations that we could be waiting through. Like meeting, maybe you're waiting for your work situation to change. You know, for the workload to get lighter. Maybe for that challenging coworker to, to change or to, to leave. For that promotion or job offer to finally come through. Like maybe, maybe you're just waiting to grow up. Like you're, done, you're just done being young, being dependent, being unable to make the kinds of decisions that you know or feel you are ready for. Like you can't wait to just get out and live your life. Maybe you're waiting for an apology. Like a, a relationship that was once sort of near and dear to you has been damaged. You're waiting for the right moment to say, I'm sorry. Or you're waiting for any moment for that other person to say sorry to you. And maybe you're just waiting for the world to change. 
The injustices you see or even experience pains you deeply and personally. You're waiting for all lives to matter, for child poverty ma to matter, for the well-being of the earth to matter. You're just waiting for more to matter to more people. And maybe your waiting isn't so big. Maybe you find yourself in this perpetual cycle of waiting for things like class to be over, the workday to be over, the kids to stop fighting, for the weekend to begin. Or maybe your, health, you know, your weight is health-related too, like mine. You've been hit with a diagnosis you didn't see coming. It was not part of your plan, physically or mentally. It's disrupted your life, and you find yourself waiting for healing, for answers, really wondering if you'll ever not be waiting. And, I, and for some of you, maybe you're not in a wait per se right now, but I've recently come through one. And those memories are close, just under the surface. And you're actually waiting for when dealing with it is going to be easier. Whatever your situation, if you're honest, there is probably something in your life right now, you know, or recently, that made you wonder why. Why me? Why them? Why now? Why this way? Why is it not figured out? Why is it not over? Why is there no healing? And in some moments you feel deep down inside this frustration, this yearning, this calling out as well, where you're saying, God, what are you waiting for? I've been there. I think many of us have. And I think that's okay. I mean, if we can't go to God, honestly, who can we go to? But I think if we want to figure out how to wait, how to even be in a posture where we could allow joy to break in, we need to reframe that question. From God, what are you waiting for? To Jer, what are you waiting for? So, okay, what does this all have to do with Christmas, right? We're six leaves from Christmas. What does this have to do with Christmas? I mean, the obvious answer is Jesus. And it's true. But I think the Christmas story gives us a much deeper insight into how we can shift from this idea of waiting for expected joy to waiting with experienced joy. So we're going to read from Isaiah in a minute, a very familiar passage for Christmas, a passage that was actually written over 700 years before Jesus' birth, and one that I think holds a lot of clues in how Jesus can bring joy in the midst of our waiting. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So I wonder if you really took notice of the four names of Jesus in that passage. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
and prince of peace. I mean, hopefully you did. And for the people Isaiah would have been writing to, they would have for sure caught those names. But truthfully, most of them would have felt, outside of maybe mighty God, that these aren't the names or the kinds of attributes the people of Israel would have been expecting to hear about their coming Messiah. I mean, wonderful counselor. I mean, their leaders were rabbis, right? Like men who taught, directed, managed down. Wise counsel? Yes. Wonderful counselor? That would not have been what they were expecting. Prince of Peace? I mean, their rulers were warriors, right? Like they were men built for battle and war defined the region in that time, filled with epic combats, coups, assassinations. And throughout those next 700 years, as potential Jewish saviors rose up, their attributes were characterized very differently. I mean, take Judas Maccabeus, you know, who led revolts about 160, 170 years before Jesus was born. I mean, his surname means the hammer. <laughs> I mean, and it was given to him because of his ferocity in battle, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's what the kind of language that, and the kind of names that they were expecting. I mean, everlasting father, I mean, everlasting kingdom, yes. They were, I mean, they were expecting regal, not relational. So those four amazing attributes come as contrast to the expectations of the day. So why include them? Well, you see, friends, God didn't just send Jesus to save us. He sent Jesus to shape us as well. God knew <laughs> that the journey wouldn't be easy, that there would be trials and challenges and hardships and heartbreaks and that there would be days and months and years where joy would really seem, you know, forgotten, you know, far away, you know, for someone else. So when God first starts to describe the gift of Jesus he is going to give us that first Christmas, he talks about these amazing ways that Jesus is going to come alongside us, support us, strengthen us, sustain us, shape us through our waiting. He sets up that Jesus' work isn't finite and isn't only focused on his death and resurrection, but that Jesus' work is ongoing and everlasting for the world, but also for us, for you and for me. And the names, the four names of Jesus are the clues that he promises to be doing a good work in each of us, in every situation, every wait, and will continue to do so until the day of completion. And friends, that's the incredible gift of Jesus that was given to us at Christmas, that Jesus as wonderful counselor, Jesus as the mighty God, Jesus as the everlasting father, and Jesus as the Prince of Peace is the gift that means that when the outcome of our situation our wait is unclear that we can wait with joy. And so I want us to take these four names and really bring them close to our situation. And I want to, I want to bless you with experiencing that joy of Jesus again this Christmas as you wait. So wonderful counselor, maybe you are feeling so alone, so stuck in what has transpired in your life so lost in the desert of your weight right now that you really just need to feel Jesus, the wonderful counselor's presence, you know, near you and hear him say, I'm here. Let's talk. That the Jesus who wept for a friend will weep with you as a friend. 
And if that's you right now, receive that gift of Jesus. Mighty God, maybe you're feeling exasperated in life right now, that the work you're doing is, is wearing you out. No matter how hard you try, it doesn't seem to be making a difference. You feel like giving up. So maybe this Christmas, you need to be reminded of the strength of Jesus, the mighty God. The same Jesus who, after 40 days of fasting in the desert, was able to resist temptation and return in the power of the Spirit. And he has given you that same Spirit to strengthen you. So if that's you today, receive that gift of Jesus. Everlasting Father, maybe you're in a place of grieving. You're waiting for a hurt to be healed. And maybe you aren't waiting right now, but are reminded of a time when you were. And maybe things didn't end the way that you wanted them to. And this time of year only brings back to the surface and the thought of joy and Christmas just don't go together for you right now. Maybe you need to feel the love of Jesus as that everlasting father. Feel his arms come around you and hold you close. Like the Jesus who welcomed the children to come to him, that he welcomes you as a child as well, as family. If that's you, receive that gift of Jesus. Prince of Peace, Maybe you are feeling anxious in the midst of your waiting. That a lack of clarity around what is happening around you, why you are feeling the way that you are, why things don't seem to be making any sense or getting any better, and, and why those things are causing you to feel like someone you don't want to be. The feelings you don't want to feel. You feel stressed, like you need to do more, take more control. That if I can only do this, everything will be okay. Maybe you need to experience a sense of peace this Christmas, to feel Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the Jesus who is able to calm the stormy seas with a single phrase. I pray that a word from Jesus will come to you this week and that you may be reminded that the Prince of Peace is always there and, and, and willing to just be there with you and calm the storms in your heart and mind. If that's you, Receive that gift of Jesus. So one of these might have resonated with you. For others, you may be thinking of a few of these things. Or maybe you're not thinking about you at all right now, but someone close to you who might need to receive this kind of gift of Jesus this Christmas. So I want to give you a few moments to reflect on this. Just sit with it and really feel it. And so as the band plays, think about those attributes, the names of Jesus whose arrival we celebrate this Christmas.
Do you feel that, church? Like, do you receive that? Like, I, I know for me, I feel like I've wanted aspects of all of those characteristics of Jesus at different times. But I think the one that resonates for me right now is really that, that idea of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And I, I've actually, you know, in my situation that I told you about earlier, I, I've seen joy break through in my mom's situation. Like her positivity and even more so like her commitment to prayer uh, it's been so inspiring. Um, 
and just really seeing too how my dad has come alongside her, you know, to really support her in a whole new way. Um, it's just really another dimension, another example of, of a, you know, what marriage and what a loving marriage is and can be. Um, and, you know, just a really great example for, for me and my family. And so I, I actually feel blessed through that. And so the Jesus I long for now is really the one that can continue to give that sense of peace to the situation. To be able to see the joy in this journey, you know, while continuing to pray for more joy at the end. And you see, church, Christmas really does give us a different way to wait. We asked earlier, you know, what are you waiting for? It changes what we are waiting for because the one we are waiting for is already here. Now just think about that. It changes what we are waiting for because the one we are waiting for is already here. That Jesus we just talked about is a Jesus that we can call on whenever we need to. And therefore, it also changes how we wait. That while we wait for expected joy, because there is that promise of expected joy, we can wait with experienced joy as well. Isn't that such a, a, a beautiful balance of knowing that joy is out there, but joy can be had right now too? That's what Christmas is all about. And so, you know, with six more sleeps until Christmas, I want to remind you that there are zero more sleeps until you can receive that ongoing, everlasting promise of joy that Jesus brings to not just save you, but to shape you into who he has planned you to be and for the purpose that he has planned you to be a part of. And so friends, with that, I want to leave you with two very simple, practical next steps. One is that I invite you to join us on Christmas Eve, which, I mean, if you're good at math, is only five sleeps away. Um, but we're going to gather together online and in person as the culmination of anticipation of Jesus' birth comes to that end and to that celebration. And I always find it such a joy-filled service. It's always one of my favorites of the year. It's a, it's a beautiful experience. And so I invite you to, to participate in any way that you can. And second, I want to encourage you to invite others to Christmas. Christmas is really one of those times that naturally brings people together. And so if you know someone that could really use being around someone this Christmas, invite them. Invite them to the service. Invite them to watch online or just invite them into something that you are doing this Christmas. And so as we listen to a closing song, um, before we do that, I, I do just want to pray with you and then, and then that'll end my message. So pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you have a plan. A plan for all of us, a plan for each of us. A plan that you have been planning for a long time. And while we seem to always be in a hurry, wanting our waits to be over, we know that you are not in a hurry. Yet you give us everything we need to live through the highs and the lows. And so we thank you for Christmas, for sending Jesus, and for the reminder that Jesus is working in us today, even now. That the good news of great joy for all people is for each of us. 
And so I pray that as we leave here today and go through the rest of this Christmas season, that we will feel the joy of Jesus in a real way, in a way that comforts us, counsels us, challenges us, changes us. And I lift that all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings, church.